Welcome to the Keenra Yoga Podcast, bringing you the stories of many people who in various ways are attempting to walk the path of yoga. Our intention is to inspire your own practice and commitment to yoga beyond the mat and in all areas of life. We consider this an offering, a service to the community and labour of love. If you feel inclined, any donations are appreciated, just visit our page and click the donate button at www.keenonyoga.co.uk forward slash podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. Today's guest on the Keenan Yoga podcast is Taylor Hunt. It's hard to frame Taylor's story as anything less than miraculous. Having suffered with alcohol and heroin addiction in his early 20s, he escaped an almost inevitable death through a chance introduction by his rehab mentor to Ashtanga Yoga. Of course, he hated his first class, remaining deeply sceptical to what he would call New Age speak, but equally, in Taylor's terms, it simply worked, so he stuck at it. And fast forward to today, and Taylor is a hugely successful teacher of the Ashtanga method with his feet firmly in the Mysore traditional approach. He is also founder and head of the Trini Foundation, helping ex-addicts through their rehab and back to health through yoga. Both in centres they have established in his native Ohio, as well as sponsoring their continual education in yoga. For Taylor's story, please visit awayfromdarkness.com. You must read that. And for the Trini Foundation, trinifoundation.com. Please go there and support their good work. Welcome, Taylor, to the Keenan Yoga Podcast. Yeah. Very pleased to have you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. That's really nice to have you. Um, so I think we met in Mysore a number of years ago. But I, I don't know you so well, but I know that obviously you come out. And I didn't know that it, will, it wasn't always a known thing that you had like a, a past of addiction. I didn't know that you – I thought that you had always been open about it, but apparently not, that it was something that you started teaching. And then, you know, it was a kind of quandary, like a uncertainty as to whether to – to expose that, and I'm pleased you did, and I think it's it's really really valuable work you're doing now. Um, so Thanks. Do you just well, obviously without delving too deep, do you just want to give us a, a background history of of your time before before yoga and uh, and what that was like? Well, I mean, I was um, I mean, I was in the business world, and I worked for oh, I, I worked for my dad, right. and right. Um, you right. know, I, and really since I was. You know, at the age of 15, I had started drinking, but it really got bad when I started working there because, like, monetarily, I was doing pretty well for myself. Right. Um, and and so, um, you know, I was in the business world. I, I ran a, a $20 million company, and uh, I basically was in charge of about 75 people and trucks and logistics. And, you know, I basically right. took care of all of this this kind of stuff. But my my world was sort of like, collapsing around me the more money that i got uh the more right. empty i felt inside and um i reached a spot at about a maybe 23 years old where i felt like um you know that i didn't want to live anymore um and because i was so depressed and taking so many mm. drugs and and mm. uh, i was a high high performing like addict for a really long time right and um and then you know the bottom just kind of gave out on it um, I, and I, you know, I started using harder drugs and to get the same sort of high. And eventually I just, you know, uh, I was a full fledged drug addict, you know, and I basically gave up everything, uh, including that job, my family, my 
ties to my dad and mom. Right. How how long was that trajectory? I mean, so you, you kind of started with the alcohol and then and then it kind of, how quickly did you slide uh, well, into it? I mean, I started drinking, you know, when I was early on in my teens. Uh, yeah. Right. And, okay. and that was like pretty constant throughout. And then at about, right. I, I would say um, about at age 20 is where it sort of all started getting really bad. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you held down a job and you managed to function for a while and then you just, just couldn't yeah. do anything. and. Yeah, I, I chose not to go into right. go to college. Um, I chose to go straight into my dad's business because there was an opportunity, like administrative wise, to do that. And uh, and I had sort of like yeah. leadership, or at least they thought I had the leadership kind of skill set in order to to do to do the job that was being presented to me. And so, um, you know, I, I did that. But I mean, by that time, you know, uh, out of high school. Right into, right into like a hard edge capitalist, like competitive right. business. Um, you know, I, I was, I was struggling. I was struggling big time. So. What was it that, when you say you're struggling, why were you struggling? Did you, cause you, I think another thing I pick up from listening to other stuff about you is you, you're quite, for want of a better word, you, you, I mean, you're quite religious. You know, you, you, you're quite devotional. You have a strong, yearning for for some connection on that yeah. on that level right was that always with you and was that something which which kind of rankled or was it just the general the pressures of the I'm, work i or, mean it was the pressures yeah. of the work but it was that i was unable to i was a highly empathetic person i still am obviously and right. uh, i wasn't able to manage my own emotions and uh i was very right. uh, you know i also felt like my life wasn't in alignment and i was really struggling with like you know, I, I, like I felt like I wasn't supposed to do the job that I was doing, but I was good at it and I was doing it and I was doing it for the money. Right. And so uh, and so it was the wrong reason. So there was just a couple misses. Uh, but yes, I'm, I am deeply spiritual. It matters to me that I have a higher power, you know, a higher power that cares about me. And and I stay try and stay connected to that all the time. But I was struggling really emotionally at that time to understand, like, what was what was I experiencing? And uh, I, was, I was experiencing a huge level of anxiety, um, depression, mm. uh, like feeling mm. like that I didn't have a purpose, although that I was making decent money, um, you know, it still felt empty inside. And so these things that I was getting uh, financially and monetarily, like I wasn't filling this mm. void inside. And so I used drugs to fill the mm. void. And mm, mm. it ended up with with yeah. heroin use, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's pretty. That's, that's scary. I mean, because I, I certainly tasted a little bit of it. I mean, and it is a funny thing. And I mean, in just terms of talking about addiction, because we obviously we have the pub in England, right? Like I don't know where you yep. you have the pub we in America, it. but it's a, it, it was it was a big part of uh, you know I came up from a small town outside London, and it was. That was our social, you know, like, I mean, and, but people used it on a Friday, Saturday night, right? Like they would go down all the lads, you know, all us boys, you know, and we would have a drink and, and I was 17, obviously it was legal, but, uh, you know, and then 18 and, you know, but the point was that a lot of these people would have a few drinks and then they would leave it there. But for quickly for me, I would start going in the week as well. And, you know, and it was, I, I couldn't really understand 
why some people could take it or leave it and do it to excess as we all did and you know at the weekends and just leave it then and for me it was I could see the pull and if I hadn't found yoga and one reason I wanted to speak to you is if I hadn't found yoga I know that I mean by the time I was at university I would wake up and have a Guinness at uh, 10 or 11 o'clock as my breakfast right and I would carry on like that throughout the day and I I never really went too far further Um, but I think if I hadn't found yoga after, because I did it for about two years of consistent uh, daily drinking, uh, all day, really, sure. you know, just, and, and functioning at university, you know, and I got through. But I think it would have gone there. And I always struggle to find why some people who also have a lots of, you know, it's not like we don't have, all have emotional issues, but why some people are pulled into this yeah. and others aren't. Well, I think you know? it's, you know, I think, you know, yeah. really like what I struggle with is that it's a disease and uh, it wants me to continue to drink and drink and use and so some people can play with that line you know and but right. i you know if i put the line in the sand adam i'm going over it like you know I, I or i'm moving the line you know and so like there's this craving or compulsion to continue to do it so that i don't have to feel what's in this present moment you know it's it's a it's right. escaping and so like i i didn't like my situation i was unable to handle it like emotionally you know, psychologically, and I wasn't able to change it. And so what I chose to do is live in fantasy, you know, I like live in denial of it too. And so I continue mm. to use and use. And so like, it's this lie that we tell ourselves that is just compounded over and over and over again. So then all of a sudden, like, you don't even know who you are anymore uh, because you've moved mm. your morality so much, you know, you've moved your ethics, all, right. the, all this kind of stuff. And that's what happens to addicts, you know? So it sounds like you were kind of like right there on the line. But I continue to blow past it over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think at a point so I was close, and, but I knew that I couldn't do it forever. You know, I knew I was playing with something and I didn't want to go. I Something had to change. I had to do something yeah. for, you know, something yeah. to get well, out of it. I never had that. I, I, think I, would, I never thought that yeah. I should change. I just, I just knew. I, right, like, right. I just kept on doing it. And then eventually it became like sort of like slow suicide. You know, you start playing yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely. That. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. You did you know when you started it? Did you think, well, this is you know, this is oh, yeah, it, I, it I, for I, me? When you I started, I, mean? I thought it was the beginning of the end. Yeah, really. But you carried on. You carried on uh, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense, of course. But but yeah, yeah I mean, you, you like, can't explain yeah. it to a normal person. Yeah. Like, but I, 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 yeah. I mean, I really didn't want to be here anymore because because at the right. end of the day, what are, what was happening. Is that I was suffering. I was I, I was suffering. Right. Like I, I really was suffering big time, and uh, right. you know, I, because of all of the things that I already mentioned. So. Yeah, yeah. And then you got into the, obviously, it got pretty bad for a, for yeah. a couple of years or, so, or something, and 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 then you, you yeah. got into rehab. Yeah. Um, you know, and the whole. And you've done a number of podcasts, so I do recommend other people to. To listeners to, to to listen to those other podcasts because you do I mean you know, we do talk about it more but we've only got a short yeah. format here but it is an interesting trajectory that you've been through and an incredible one um and you should write something more you know long form on, yeah. on that sometime but um you got into short to cut a long story short you got into rehab and then you got on the twelve step um and the twelve step uh, just go through that basically for the listeners what what uh, that I is mean, exactly because it's yeah kind of I mean interesting. the twelve step yeah. program is just a design for living. You know, it, it is it's right. 12 steps, the 12 one-liners, just like the Yoga Sutras. 
Uh, and yeah. you basically yeah. you find a tour guide, a teacher, a sponsor to take you through these steps. You do some reading, you apply the steps to your life, you, re- you know, like you start to pray or at least like connect with some sort of higher power, uh, regardless of what it is. It's non, it's non-denominational. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's I mean, whatever it's like, you want, right? Like they, but they do, it's rec- like a, but they do recommend you, you get yeah, something. Yeah, it's like the yoga sutras. Yeah. You know? It's like you're allowed to pick the God of your understanding. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's the same. It, it is based in Christianity and that, that kind of stuff, but it says very clearly, right. like pick the God of your, your choosing, um, or right. higher power. And so I, um, you know, I, like I've worked all these steps, like, you know, I, I do them consistently when I feel off track, I get back on them, you know, but they bring me closer to, uh, I mean, they help me clean up my behavior, um, from previous years or daily, um, clean up my behavior and they keep me connected and right-sized like to keep me humble. Uh, they make sure that I'm like speaking honestly and truthful and like speaking from a place of integrity uh, in myself and, and, um, you know, it's like there's meetings that support it. There's other people in my sobriety, like kind of network that continue to help me stay um, kind of in the center of, of the program. But it's a 12 step program that is supposed to help people get sober and has the highest rate of success. Um, but in order to actually, you know, get the success, you have to put in a lot of work. You know, it's a it's a serious mm. personal journey. And so and yoga you know, yoga for me has played like this instrumental part in my 12 step recovery and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but not everyone, um, not everyone does yoga, but there is, there is steps and stuff like that, that are, uh, or at least one of them that, uh, is really focused on prayer and meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is fantastic. I mean, and it's, it's really the, it's a strong recommendation, isn't it? It'd say without that, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I, I speak with a little knowledge because of a close friend of mine, a student who has been a student of mine for many years, has gone through this um, and the 12 steps. And, and as I understand, you keep using them as well. They, you know, you don't just finish and go out. Yeah. You keep, you know, kind of going over them and, and doing the work. And Alcoholism think- and drug addiction is defined as a chronic relapsing disease that that is really fatal if... Um, if not treated. And so there is no pill or anything like this. The treatment is the 12 steps and, and we're never fully like recovered. We're more or less like in remission. And so, um, and so in order to stay in recovery, you have to continue to work those steps. And, and if you don't, then I, you know, like a lot of times people go back out and start drinking again because it's chronically lapsing and progressively fatal. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how long have you been um, on clean St. Now? Patrick's Day? I had fifteen years, so just yeah, fifty. It's a long, it's a long bloody time now. But do you, do you have you ever been close to uh, relapsing no. again? No, no. I mean, most of the time. So there's this thing in recovery where um, we ask ourselves sort of like this question about um, you know, you know, maybe at the end of our day, we ask the question like. How many, how many bad decisions are you away from drinking and using again? I've never been, uh, closer than three bad decisions away. Most of the time I'm like seven to 10 bad decisions away. And I feel pretty good about that because like there's plenty of things I can do in between those bad decisions to correct the path. And so like I've, I've never, I've never had the interest to drink again. Um, you know, every once in a while I catch a whiff of marijuana or, you know, 
or bourbon or something like yeah, that, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and it will yeah, kind of yeah, elicit a response. Yeah. But I never, I don't want to go back. Right, that person right. is not me anymore. Um, although I've been that through those experiences, it's not me, so it doesn't feel compelling. Like it doesn't feel like something I would want to go back to. I'm not missing anything by not drinking. I, I've gained all of this family, a beautiful wife. We've made a amazing, um, amazing family. We've been blessed. You know, like I have this opportunity to, to teach, you know, I'm grateful that I get to teach, you know, I'm grateful that I feel, you know, kind of true to myself. Um, and so I, I don't, don't feel like going back. It's an incredible, it's an incredible result. I mean, you know, they should use you as a poster boy for it because... <laughs> You've come from you. Well, you've come from so far to yeah to to really being a shining example of of the method. You know, which I wanted to talk a little bit about the diction and the method. You sure. know, and the twelve steps and you know because it's it's more. I think it's more common than people perhaps assume. You know, um, and yeah, and it's easy to get into addiction of all kinds. Sure. You know, and it's you know it doesn't have to just be drugs or alcohol. People are addicted now to yep. all kinds of things. Um, so it's important to, to recognize that. But before we go completely spend the hour on that, I mean, you got, let's go into a bit of yoga now. And you got into, so, so your, your sponsee, um, sponsor. your sponsor, or sponsee, your sponsor, your sponsor, your sponsee, right. if you do someone else, right? And um, your, so your sponsor told you, go to the yoga class. He said, you wouldn't make it through. Uh, as, as he said, you wouldn't make it through if you, if you don't, you think you need yoga. Why do they say that? Well, I mean, because I don't believe in consequences. And I think most people in recovery don't believe in consequences. Or like, or, excuse me, they, they don't, they don't yeah. believe in, um, you know, basically like that things just happen out of nowhere. And so they're like, we don't believe in, uh, you know, that somehow we're like supposed to be like in this place, but I actually scratched that. Okay. Um, so I, I feel like my higher power or my sponsor said that to me. And the reason why my sponsor said that to me is because like my God, my higher power, um, is basically like, was pointing me in that direction because this lady introduced yoga to me. Uh, she came up to me and she asked me, Hey, do you want to do yoga? And I was like, no, uh, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do <laughs> yoga. And, um, eventually. <laughs> why did she say that? Why, why were you so adamantly well, against it? I, I, because I thought it was for girls. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is, is it, is it, do you come from a kind of macho town? Is I it, mean, is it, I think it, all of Where the, is it you're uh, living? Columbus. Is it, is it quite well, tough like uh, that? Columbus is a pretty tough place, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, right. it's middle America, and it's, uh, it's a pretty tough, right. tough area to be from. We're, we're strong work ethic and all that stuff. But, I mean, this was 15 years right. ago. It's like yoga wasn't cool in the United States yeah. anywhere. True, yeah. true. It wasn't, it wasn't so, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, when I started, it was me and a, a load of uh, right. older ladies, yeah, let's same. say. Um, yeah, um, which was fine. Um, I didn't mind it. I thought it was quite nice. It's like many yeah. surrogate mothers. Um, <laughs> um, right. So, so you didn't want to do it and you'd not done, I was, that's what, that was the question I was going to ask. You'd not done anything. You hadn't got a physical no, background. I mean, I played, it, I played golf. Is that right? Um, yeah, I played okay. a couple other right. like basketball, those kind of things. But I mean, I was totally out of it right. by the time I got. Yeah, and also when you, I mean, you got into the yoga and then I guess you, you didn't like the first class and I think you did like, you know, you've got to have hated the first class and you're going to be like, uh, yeah. And then you, you came back again. Why did well, you come back again? Me 
Yeah. Oh, they made yeah, you. I mean, <laughs> I'm bloody lucky. You should be um, thinking yeah, sponsor I sponsor now. <laughs> it's like you saved my yeah, life. Yeah. But I um, mean, he but, introduced yeah. me to um, basically like this this idea that you know, like because this lady had come into my life so many times that it, right, it was something yeah, fatalistic. It, it, it was connected to yeah. like that you're supposed to do it. And so he's like, I don't know if you're going to be able to stay sober if you don't do yoga. And so I, I do. Oh, that's why you said it. It was some yeah, kind of idea so just, of fate. Well, do you believe? Do you yes. believe that? I mean, look at yeah, you look do? at my life right. today. Like I was supposed to do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, he was he was speaking, you know, through grace. Yeah, it's interesting because also I've been thinking if you were using it to that degree, it must have been a real fucking struggle to. Uh, to do the physical practice. I mean, it was hard enough for me and I was just only a few years yeah. into drinking and, you know, I'd come from a martial arts background, yeah. you know, I'd done that since I was a kid, right? So, but for you, are you do drinking? I was six months sober and, and I literally was getting my ass handed to me every single class. And the reason why is because like, I mean, I just, I mean, human pen cushion, my arms destroyed yeah. junk that I ate. And so I was in really tough yeah. shape. Yeah, I was bloated. Yeah, I shared a picture not too long yeah. ago on my Instagram of like. Uh, Did yeah. you? I was thinking if you got yeah, a picture of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it just felt unhealthy, all that kind of stuff, and so it was extremely difficult physically. Um, it must have been like a hell yeah. physically. Well, I mean, but here's what really sucked even more. Uh, just to be completely frank, what sucked even more is being detoxed from uh, heroin. That that's where I really suffered. And so, like, I would always put it back into perspective that, you know, it took me like three days to be like detoxed from heroin. And it was literally like the most painful thing that I've ever had, like in my entire life uh, that I've had to go through. Yeah. Pe- it, it, people it, say that. Yeah. Why? Uh, physically. Well, or I mean, emotionally. You know, just imagine having the flu and then, um, you know, also feeling extremely vulnerable and sweating and puking and diarrhea and and uh and being like that for three days not being able to eat right you know like feeling all of the feels all of that kind of stuff and yeah it was extremely painful so to put that into perspective with yoga even though that okay was, so it was I, like I mean, walking it, the park. it was yeah. still terrible it felt bad but yeah, right, okay. it was uh it was it was not the worst experience. Yeah, nothing to. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I have seen. I have seen that people yeah. going through detox. So, yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, how long did it take you to get into shape and do the primary series? And you know, again, going back to a more classical Ashtanga yeah. kind of bent. You know, like you, you didn't start off from a good place. It must mm-hmm. have been really hard. And and you were learning it in. Who yeah, was your so teacher at that Jane point? Delf, and she's the lady who was kind of who who convinced me or urged me to go. And um, she taught me for a really long time, maybe for a year or so. And then I kind of transitioned into a local studio that had a bunch of lead classes. Um, I, I really struggled. Right. I mean, physically, I really struggled with doing any of, you know, the practice. Like, um, I wasn't I wasn't good at it at, by all, at all, really. And, um, you know, I was maybe for five years working on the primary series, something like that. Four years. Yeah. I mean, I could couldn't do Marichasana B, you know, like I couldn't get my hips to open, you know, back bends. I could barely get off my head, those kind of things. Yeah, and so I really struggled for the first four or five years. I've seen you do a back bend. You do a good back bend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it took a lot of work though. It took a, 
<laughs> extremely amount, a lot of work. It took a lot of. To- yeah, that, I mean, I, so I look at your practice in context now. It's incredible. Um, yeah, incredible. Um, was there any moment where something shifted, or did you do anything other than the practice, or you just commit to it? And 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 was the commitment hard, or did you just find it like a new kind of something you held on to? Like I held on to it to be quite honest with you. As soon as I found it, I thought this is I have to do this. Yeah, I mean, I felt um, like I. I felt like if I, I don't do this, do I'm going to start drinking again. Yeah, I, I felt like yeah. I had to do it. And I, I, there was several moments. Um, one, particularly, I was, I was watching a lead intermediate series class. Um, and I sat on this bench. And uh, I sat with these other people and watched in there. And uh, I remember looking in at them and making a joke to all of the people that were sitting on the bench. And it was like, we're half primary series for life. You know, like we made a pact. And I remember like, uh, you know, like we're all going to be at Mark Jasmine and be forever kind of thing. And I remember like looking, looking at him and it kind of made me feel gross on the inside because like, you know, and the reason why is because it felt like, um, like talk about short change in yourself, you know, and and that was just posters and all that stuff. It wasn't the mental side of it. And so I, I just didn't feel right about it. And I, and after that moment, I realized that really there were, was this thought pattern that I was never going to be any good at yoga. And that, that thought pattern Mm. basically like made it so that I wasn't good at yoga. You know, it, it perpetuated itself. It was this lie that somehow if I worked hard, that I still wouldn't get anything like physically out of it. And that's, that's what we call bullshit. Um, you know, it's like I was working hard. I was seeing results. I was physically, uh, physically like still struggling, but mentally and emotionally, I felt like a completely different person. And so it took my body a long time to sort of catch up with my emotions and, and my mentality or, or mental state. So your body was mm-hmm. getting good, but you say your emotions yeah. were still, you're still thinking that you can, you couldn't do it. Yeah. You weren't confident. It just with, took them a long you know, time to all Or hopeful, that. more hopeful. Yeah. 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 Where were you seeing the lead class? Was it? It wasn't in Mysore by then. You hadn't no, gone to Mysore. No, by I then. went to Mysore a couple of years. No, ago. no, no. They were doing a lead class, right? Okay. And you started. I couldn't. I didn't. I didn't ask previously. You started with Ashtanga or, or started yeah, yoga, and then you got into Ashtanga and intro class. Yeah, and, and so ten weeks ah. we met every Saturday, um, and she taught us basically right. like half of the primary series. And did you start self practice? Like in between, or would it take longer to get um, into self practice? After the second class that I did of the intro class, then then I started. You started uh, practicing. Like basically, daily. You started practice, on your own. Yeah, and it wasn't hard to keep the discipline for me because now, I mean, I just I'm like a I mean I'm a kapha person, you know. So like once you get me started, like I just like continue on the train. Like I don't really get distracted very often, you know. I just. Well, yeah, you had the you had the discipline with uh, with yeah. your past, it, yeah. as it were. <laughs> you disciplined you. Well, it is in a way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, right. And what is it that attracts you to the Ashtanga particularly? Ah, oh, man, that's a loaded question. I think that honestly, it um, it presents so many different things at different moments. You know, there's a time where I really cared about like getting the postures and watching my body unfold. And then there's, right. uh, there's also been times where um, it's helped me get over grief um, from a loss of a friend right. or grandpa or grandma. Mm. Um, there's been times where it's felt like my safe space, um, the place where I'm 
uh, able to be vulnerable showing up on my mat. Um, there, right. I mean, it's, it's been so many things for me. I mean, it's been purely just discipline, like work, like doing the work and reaping the benefits and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's taught me great lessons, uh, because of injury, um, heartbreak and all of these kind of things that, uh, kind of show up in our lives that we bring onto our mat. Um, and so, I, I mean, it's so much. It's taught me that uh, I can't believe my, uh, BS stories. You know, these lies that we tell ourselves because they shortchange us and make us small when when really we're like powerful beyond measure. Um, it, it, it's it's literally taught me so much. It's given me a life um, that I want to live, that I'm, I'm happy that I'm living. I'm living, you know, with my best friend, uh, Jessica, and, and she's my partner. And I mean, we uh, we have everything that we need. And so, I mean, the Ashtanga mm. practice it provides so much like currently right now uh, because of covid it's helping me like get through anxiety work through and keep moving um you know so you still have you still have anxiety but the practice helps with yeah that. i mean i'm high functioning anxiety um black person yeah yeah uh, so i i keep moving but it it i mean it comes and goes and this year it's definitely come um you know there's a lot of fear of future and yeah, yeah, well, you're not on your yeah. own there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's yeah, helped me yeah, deal yeah. with that kind of stuff. Right. But yeah, I mean, you know. What What do you think it is it about? I mean, if we go further into this, what is it about the practice? This, 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 this the repetitiveness or the quality of stability? Well, or, I mean, I, I think both of those for sure. But I, I think that for yeah. me, what it feels like every day is that I show up on the pitch. I show up on the pitch and I do these exercises. You know, I do these movements. I connect my breath with, with you know, and my eyes to a particular point, and I get into this state of meditation. And what I realize is that, uh, you know, sort of like diving into the self, that uh, you know, I, I show up there, do these same routines, but it's different every day, and it's different because I'm different. You know, it's different, even though I'm doing these same postures. I I can gain whole bunch of self-realization just by sitting there and like doing the posture with the same level of effort, noticing that my body feels a little bit different, maybe because of the choices of my day. And, and my mind is different based off of, you know, consequences of my actions or the actions that I took earlier or the day before. And it gives me insight, you know, it gives me a huge amount of insight. And so just by showing up on that pitch, and, and, and this, this field of, of play where the all, all of a sudden, like, I, I'm able to understand who I actually am because that's a constant in my life. That is the stability. So it's actually through seeing the difference without getting too existential about it, about to, through seeing the difference that you realize the sameness, that there's something enduring behind that difference. There's watching totally. that difference. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. right. and it gives me the, it gives right. me this insight of like, Hey, something's going on with me or, Hey, I can see a clear picture of myself or actually I'm, I'm living in my true self. You know, at this moment, my heart is open. My mind is open. My body is open. There's nothing in the way that's clouding or coloring my judgment or, um, you know, discrimination or any of that kind of stuff. And, and it, mm -hmm. it, um, it, it gives me literally everything that I need. So. How was it when you first went to Mysore? Because obviously you came from 
a different background to a lot of people arriving in Mysore. Yeah. Um, but how, how you know what are your feelings about it? Uh, what, um, I mean, I know you're very committed yeah. to the tradition, uh, you know, that is embodied by uh, you know Shrachi and Mysore, and and it's very important part yeah, of your teaching, it, right? It is. Um, it is an important part. I mean, it's important that I continue to go there because um, you know it, it was really the first time in my life that I felt sort of connected to this place and a teacher. And uh, it felt like sort of a coming home moment to be in Mysore, even though that I hadn't been there before. And this was 2010 or something like that. Um, and there wasn't there was like this uh, sort of moment where I just felt like I took a deep breath and I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is actually where I'm supposed to be right now. Um, and I, I never felt that in my entire life. But when I walked into Mysore, I was like. Walked into the old shower and I sat there and I was just like, this is the place that I'm supposed to be right now. And I could feel it in my soul. It was like singing. So, yeah. Hmm. And I didn't care that people didn't have, I mean, Adam, I've always been an outsider. I'm not afraid to share my opinions. I'm not afraid to, uh, you know, put my neck out there. I'm not afraid to uh, any of these kind of, I've always felt like an outsider. And so I did. I didn't really care right. that I was an outsider, just based off of my past. But going there, I was going to make. Some, I made some friends, but I was there for me. You know, I wasn't there to network or any of that kind of stuff. I was just there to practice and sort of reap the benefits of being a student. And uh, and man, it, it, it's been a blessed blessed experience every time I go. What's your feeling about the relationship between you and? Shiraz, that's an important part of it, the teacher, having the teacher. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's as important as me having a sponsor. Right. Yeah, it's it's as important because I have to be able to have uh, an honest conversation. I have to have sort of ideals or he has to basically has to have something I, you know, I I look up to. Um, And uh, there is plenty of qualities that I look up to um, in Shiraz. You know, like also I aspire to like teach the way that he teaches, you know, and how he operates in the room and sort of like sort of the love that, uh, you know, he gives to gives to people. Um, so there's many. Yeah. So I, I believe it's really important. I mean, I, um, you know, one of the things that was the most important um, sort of thing that happened in me and Sherat's like relationship from teacher to student yeah. was when I, I wrote a book and I gave him a copy of it. And assigned it and uh, wrote this book, Away from Darkness. And it was released about four years ago. And, and I gave him one of the first copies, which is really cool. Um, and then I started a nonprofit. And when I started the nonprofit, it's called the Training Foundation. And we teach yoga all over the United States and also international. And we raise money to help people get into sobriety. That's, that's basically what we do. And, um, and he, I asked him if he would be an honorary director of our foundation and there has to be directors you know by law and there also has to be board members and shrad has become an honorary director of the training foundation and um, when he offered that or accepted that you know that that title you know i'm able to send him messages and and tell him what's going on with programs telling you know i update him every single time we go to mysore and uh, it's been an honor to actually have him involved. And, and it was, you know, we've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. And um, it's, it, I mean, it's an amazing organization that, you know, is helping people. Uh, but really, 
you know, important part of me and Sherrod's relationship was that he accepted that responsibility. And that was pretty, that was pretty awesome. Has he, has he done, has he kind of been involved? Well, I mean, he basically helped with uh, this training that we have to do um, to train people to go into treatment centers. Um, Like, you know, he helped to design sort of that program. And then um, he gets briefings. I send him emails from time to time, but I also, I really brief him when I go there um, and, and tell him what's, what's happening. Um, but yeah, he's been involved. He understands like what, what we're doing. He knows that, uh, you know, Ashtanga helps people in addictions, all those kind of things. Really fascinating. And you're, you're going to the centers teaching people Absolutely. Ashtanga yoga. Yeah. We're teaching them at the detox, residential, inpatient, uh, outpatient. We're teaching them in, in prisons, all this kind of stuff. I was going to ask you, I mean, that just kind of actually neatly kind of slide into another question I had. There's, uh, I kind of get the feeling you're quite a traditionalist in terms of the postures and, you know, if you don't do that posture, then you're not getting the next one kind of thing, right? Um, you know, like, how does that work with people? Well, how does that work generally is a question, but how does that work with people in addiction who perhaps aren't at the level of health that yeah. they might like to be? You know, they're kind of stuck at kind of, you know, sun saltation A, or do you allow them to kind of modify things and, you know, yeah, I mean, obviously there's modification. Like, I mean, I'm a, right. So you, you don't mind a modification in time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a traditionalist. I, I believe, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I also believe it's an individual journey. Some people are going to have on the long arc. Other people are going to be on the short arc um, with regard to postures and completing the series, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I am in, in that. But I mean, I'm also realistic uh, as well. We we did studies. So like over the period of, you know, since 2016, when we started the foundation, we did, we did some research and some studies. And what we realized is that really with um, Ashtanga, the thing that is the most appealing is that it is a traditional form. And the reason why it's traditional or the reason why that sort of captures it, because the addict is a skeptic. And, um, and, and so when it's traditional, it feels sort of ancient instead of like new age. As soon as like it approaches new age or it feels like light and fluffy, all of a sudden they don't want to do it anymore. And so the research at that at, at a certain point in time suggested that the more traditional that we were, the more more um, likelihood that they would continue with it. And that's still true to uh, today. Um, and Well, how does that show itself? Or what does that mean? Because obviously we know that tradition is a funny kind of term right and even the you know in the most optimistic you know ideas about the practice you know it has changed right um so so i mean but i actually i I kind of appreciate that now yeah there's something in it which is feels like someone just didn't make it up like you know it doesn't feel like you can actually pull the uh the bs card on it 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 doesn't feel like you know when someone is gonna say like open your heart chakra like, yeah, I mean, yeah, for an right, addict yeah. who is like straight off the streets, that doesn't make any sense. It's not practical. It, it actually is not happening, you know, or open up your heart, like proverbial heart, you know, it's like, but it's not the real heart, you know. And so there's, um, the, you know, so the new age stuff doesn't work on them just because they're sort of like, um, they're skeptics. I mean, they're like me. It's like you say, open up kidney, wings, heart. I, and I'm sitting there yeah, going like, yeah. that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, do you think that's just a kind of quality of the addict? That it's a very skeptical uh, kind of person. I think that we've been hurt so many times, and that, right, that we're okay. skeptical. We don't trust people, and like, 
there's just so, and so yeah like when someone comes and they're saying like you know swan dive down to grab your big toes like that doesn't make any sense like it would be better for you to tell someone who's like an addict to reach down and grab your big toes take, take the, the toes, toes. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That, yeah yeah your job is yeah. to take the toes right now got it yeah <laughs> so, yeah right yeah. This is kind of definity and kind of firmness and, and yep. kind of and that's know, what we found. No messing around, kind that's of. That's what we found. That the more that you're sort of just like it's plain, it's science, it's black and white, it's grab your toes, it's not swan dive uh, to get your toes, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, right. And does it matter that there's? Is it important that there's someone at the head of this, or you know, that there's like a kind of background? Do you tell? Do you present that part of it right, like to, to show them the tradition? I mean, because I yeah, mean, we. I mean, I, every time. I mean, I've taught thousands of these classes, um, and so yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I sort of present it over a sl- uh, like a slower period of time, like you know that I'm, I've traveled to Mysore, I've spent a lot of time there, I have a teacher. You know, you're, it's cool because like here in Columbus, I'm the teacher and there's a bunch of students. You guys can be one of them. We'll offer you a scholarship, those kind of things, uh, to attend 10 classes. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I tell them about the tradition, but if anything, like, um, they find out more about me because I want to, I want to have the connection with them. The reason why is because I want them to come to the studio because as soon as they get out of treatment, it's just like someone who's incarcerated. If they if they get out yeah, of treatment right. or they get out of prison and within those 24 hours, uh, they go to a AA meeting, 12 step meeting, or they go to yoga. And if they meet up with their old friends, they're getting high. Yeah, yeah. They meet up at our yoga studio. They have an opportunity to stay sober. They have an opportunity uh, for right. life. And so that's that's really what I'm trying to do. And you've actually, you got a bunch of people to come to the studio from these programs, I mean, right? There, so basically what the Training Foundation does is like we set up scholarships and we set up partner studios around the world. And when you become a partner studio, all it does, all, all it means is that you, we have the ability, the Training Foundation, we screened you and we have the ability to pay for people who come in who are struggling with addiction. And so like they posted on their social media that there's scholarship opportunities to practice and Trinity Foundation flips the bill um, for it, for, for students all over. In Columbus, yeah, our treatment centers, like they come into our treatment centers and it's free of charge for them. Um, if they come from Columbus to, you know, from the treatment center in Columbus to Ashtanga Yoga Columbus where I teach, um, it's free of charge. They can get a scholarship for no, for nothing. And you've had a success rate. I suppose I'm kind of asking, have, have people kind of really got into Ashtanga from, from I mean, the foundation? I, you've like, got students now that are doing it, you know, in a daily yeah. practice. I mean, my whole, uh, there, we have a community of roughly a hundred, hundred and some people. Um, and half of them, Adam, are people in addic- who struggle with addiction. Yeah, half of them. Right. I mean, half of, uh, the other half, I'd say, like, are normal. Yeah, like... But the other half, like, <laughs> I mean, like we we seek them out because they get committed. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. incredibly valuable work. I mean, and then how do you do you teach the sequence differently? Then do you allow them to kind of you know if you can't do Marichasana D, just cross the leg, hold your thigh, or, or are you still strict? I think I feel you're quite I, a strict I, teacher. I, so, I, but I'm reasonable. Yeah, I mean, okay. you know, I. I give the body this time to adjust. It's not about this ambition to get the next pose. 
Like it's about being comfortable where we're at. Like, yeah. And so I give the modification when, you know, their, their time is done with that posture. I've taught them how to get into half lotus. I've taught them what the next steps are to, to twist into it. If, if I don't think that there's a chance that they're ever going to get it, then I probably, I'm going to give them the next pose. You know, but if I think right. that there's a possibility that they could maybe have some lifestyle changes, the hips could open up a little bit more, they could twist a little bit more, and and it's a possibility, I'm going to hold them there uh, because it, the, the the struggles are the things that teach us the greatest lessons. So who am I to tell this person that they can't get something, or who am I to tell someone that like set up these sort of like uh, limitations? And say like, no, let's bypass the struggle. Let's bypass this huge lesson um, because that's where we learn the most at. We learn outside of our comfort zone, in the fear zone, when we're met with something that is scary to us or makes us vulnerable. And so who am I to take that mm. lesson away? It's not fair for me to take that lesson away from backbends, dropbacks, marichasana D, karmasana, like these struggle poses that people have. Like, who am yeah. I? Like, no, you need to struggle. I struggle. I did Mari Chasmadi for five years. Five years I worked on it. And it wasn't about getting the next one. I wanted to, but it was like, it was about putting in the work so that I could feel differently and better. What happens if they quit before they kind of get past Mari Chasmadi because they're so goddamn bored? Yeah. I mean, I, we don't have a lot of people that quit. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, I think that if, the teacher has the right intention, teaching them about safety, uh, teaching about non-grasping, um, teaching them to, you know, when they're supposed to push, when they're supposed to back off, to pay attention to their body, that the intelligence is much more than just the body, like the intelligence of the practice is much more than just the body. The, the practice is the means. It's not the end. The end is that you get to the other side and you sit there and go, I am comfortable where I'm at. And I'm in, I'm like in fully alignment with what I'm supposed to do with my life as a result of me practicing this meditation for long periods of time. That's like an enlightened experience. You know, that's like when people are, start to realize that they're, they're living empowered instead of like living in, in defeat, you know? And so, you know, uh, eventually, like I might say like, yeah, we can do the next posture, like and give them a pass on it. But I don't skip over the lesson. The lesson is there. I think you recently said like I think I saw something you put on social media. It's like, how do you know you, when you can do the next posture, when you can do the last one? Which I hope it was a slightly tongue in cheek because how how do you know exactly when you can do the last posture, or what does that look I mean, like for you when yeah, someone can I do the last I posture? I wasn't scared of sharing my well, opinion. Uh, no, no, no. I just wanted, wanted know, to ask. I, it's um, I think everyone's going to look up a little bit different in every single thing. We're not going to look like a Keno McGregor, amazing practitioner. We're not going to look like a David Swenson. You know, you might, it might look a little raggedy. Um, it might not look that good, <laughs> but there's a certain point where you start to say like, Oh yeah, am I doing this or am I not doing this? And if you're clearly not doing it, then for safety perspective and, and the lesson that I've been talking about, uh, it, it's worth digging in based off of my experience that I've had. It, it's worth digging in mm. instead of glazing over. Yeah. And do you encourage, along with this physical discipline, 
are you encouraging a, a greater philosophical perspective or any other reading or you know nothing just just do the practice I mean, and that's no i mean i i mean i suggest pranayama i i suggest japa meditation i suggest i mean reading phil, phil um philosophy um you know wherever wherever the student feels like they need to go i try and try and support them but that that intention of the practice that it's actually more than just this fitness routine uh, has to be established by the teacher. And so I'm constantly like, yeah, like, you know, Ashtanga Yoga Columbus, like we're a little, we're a little brazen, you know, like we're a little like kind of in your face. And, but I, I'm still suggesting that they dig deeper, figure out what their sadhana is. What are these spiritual practices that they can do? What are these things that get them connected? Do they have a higher power? How do they deepen that connection to the higher power? Those kind of things. How do you deepen the collection? How does it become more than just a physical practice? Because it could be as well, couldn't it? And that's and something, fine. you know, just, I mean, I think when I was talking at the start, I was thinking, well, you know what? I felt like just doing it was like an affirmation of positivity rather than getting up, just having a cigarette and then waiting for yeah. a drink, you know? <laughs> It was like, well, you know, it was a committing to oneself in a positive yeah. manner. Yeah, I, you know? I mean, I don't. Right. Just simply that kind of getting on the mat and saying, well, you know, I'm going to be, you know, a positive sense of self rather than like I'm not going to live in a negative yeah. sense of self. Yeah, I mean, you know? if, if it is just posture, it's fine. But I know that. Um, how long have you done this for? How long have you been practicing for? 20, 20 21 yeah, one years. years. There was a certain spot after maybe year 10 that I realized that if I was just going to look at it through this, uh, like just physicality and show up just uh, like, and do this positive thing for myself, like aerobics routine or, or whatever, uh, cardio routine, um, that, uh, I wasn't going to stay enthusiastic about it. Um, I, I like it had to become more. And that was after that was like maybe year 11 year 10, something like that, where all of a sudden I realized that it has to be more. I have to be able to do it with a smile. I have to, it has to be about something bigger. Like your why of why you're showing up, it has to be huge. You know, like how many people do you know that have quit? I mean, it's thousands. And what separates someone who quits hmm. and someone who stays? It's like, it's much bigger than just like, I'm showing up just for this positivity, physicality thing. And I, I did that for a long period of time. Like it was just discipline. It was just like, get it, all that kind of stuff. And, and it had to be about more like today, like my why, like I show up every morning to practice because I got students that not only expect that from me, but also it's given me a life that I never thought was possible. Like it completely opened up all of the doors. It's changed me from a drug addict all the way to someone who is looked up at. Who is, uh, you know, has integrity, who is a leader in the community, who has a community, all of the stuff. The same, you know, that sort of representation of my journey it can be replicated. You know, that it can be replicated. I, all of the, and so I practice and I teach and I share my story and all this stuff is because I believe it's possible for everyone. My why is because I believe that your transformation is just as, as possible as mine. That, and, and man, mm. like, it's not just about doing this routine. It's actually a much bigger responsibility, you know? And that makes me happy. That makes me like smile. That makes me want to do the work. 
challenge myself, see what's next, push the envelope on like, what am mm. I supposed to do? Like, am I just supposed to be it? Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you that. Was it, would it just be enough if it was just you practicing or does it need to feed out into connection more with people? Do you know what I mean? Would you have been, would the practice have done the same thing if it were just you doing the Ashtanga practice or does it, or is a big part of it, it seems like it's part of a bigger picture of connection with people and you know, yeah. giving back. I think and, and, that you know. it, um, it's essential. I think that uh, I had to, I have to give it back in order to keep what I've been giving. Right. And so I'm going to give it back until like the day that I die. Yeah. Hmm. What are your, what are your goals for the future with it? Well, I mean, we got a lot of things going on. I mean, the Trini Foundation is um, going to start shifting gears into different treatment options. Um, I just actually started a treatment center um, for drugs and alcohol, uh, which is called Acom Recovery. So I got Trini Foundation, Acom Recovery. Uh, yeah, yes, I'm headed yes, down the number line. Yes, yes. And so, yeah. um, and then, uh, so we're doing that. And we're, we're kind of, we got these therapists that are helping us with, with this kind of stuff. And we're doing it over the web right now just because of COVID and stuff. Um, and uh, I mean, I want to, I mean, I want to do much bigger things. I want to, I want to write another book. Um, I want to, I, I mean, I want to continue to evolve and change. Um, I'm, I'm also thinking about running for uh, public office. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, and God. part of the reason why is I'm, I'm seriously considering it. A couple of like opportunities have presented themselves and I'm, I'm, I'm seriously considering it because, you know, like what America needs right now is, is people that are willing to stick their neck out, uh, people that are willing to, um, get, get dirty in the trenches to do the work so that uh, we can, we can all be somewhere else so that we can be a global leader again. I think that's what's, what's being asked of us today. How does it feel when you stick your neck out? I mean, this is a kind of relevant question these days and you get lampooned, yeah. you know, because everyone gets it, you know, especially with all, with, you know, you're on social media quite a lot. Yeah. We all are. And, you know, how do you cope with people criticizing you? And because it's hurtful to everyone. I think even if, you know, even if you, the funny thing is, even if you don't know the person, it's still somehow kind of hurtful, right? Like, I saw this. Uh, have you seen that Drive to Survive? Um, it's a it's a Netflix uh, documentary on racing car drivers, and there's this racing car driver on there, and he and he he got a criticism the day the day before on his social media. Someone says, "Oh, you're no good. You're going to lose." You know, and you could see it. It's really hurt. he didn't know the person, you know, but it hurt him. It's it a is weird a weird thing. thing. Social media is a completely different animal. But I, I mean, you know, I believe that in order to be a leader. You're going to have to be as comfortable in your own skin as you possibly can. And you should expect that you're going to get criticism, regardless of whether or not you make a joke, you make a tongue in cheek thing, you know, slapstick humor, whatever it is, you know, like I get a bunch of heat for it. I like I continuously. Oh, yeah, I get a lot of I get a lot of heat. And, and it's because I'm not I'm not scared of sharing my opinion. I get a lot of heat from it. I recently, I, I did sort of like a tongue in cheek, kind of put it out there um, and put something on there. And I've, I've still to this day, this is a month later, I'm getting uh, articles written about me, you know, from people that I thought were friends, you know, I'm getting right, messages right. on my social media and, you know, like, uh, and all, not that I want to go in it or anything, but I, I mean, yeah, right. But, I don't yeah, know what I it mean, was. I took it down. I shut off. I shut it down. I, I, I right, mean, I okay. shut it down because, like, really, um, I was making a point, 
And then no one gives you an opportunity to actually like clear up what the point is because they're, they just continue to right. yell and they're super tough behind a computer screen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How does that, how, how do, um, how do you cope well, with that? I mean, does it get uh, you? No, I don't, I don't think it really gets to me. And I, I, like there, there was really? a couple days where I was like, you know, do I owe this apology? Do I, or do I owe an apology? Do I owe a better apology? Uh, Cause I ended up th- uh, apologizing. You know, like, and eventually I kind of came up with it that um, what other people think about you is none of, or what, what they think and share about you is none of your business. My job is to stay in my own lane. And I would suggest everyone who's listening or any of this kind of stuff, the best thing that you can do for your own mental health is to stay in your own lane. Be your person, stay in your own lane. You know, if comments bother you, shut off the comments, you know, like turn them off if they bother you that bad. But if you're going to stick your neck out and you're going to be a leader in the yoga community or a leader, you know, in government or any of these kind of things, just know that that's what you're accepting. And the leader has to take some of the flack. Um, and that's, that's, that's part of it. So. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Well, we're almost done now. I suppose I would ask you, um, what's your, what's your greatest inspiration? And a couple of mm. short, little fun questions to end you know, with. I, I, currently, right now, um, what I'm finding my greatest inspiration is from. Uh, I recently recorded an audio book, um, and the, the audio book was right. for my book. I did it like you know over quarantine, you know, sh- shelter in place thing. And um, what I started realizing that um, when reading it, that I gain almost all of my inspiration through my family. Um, it's been really inspiring to see sort of my wife go through the same sort of recovery thing as what, what I've gone through. Um, it's all. Oh, she, she was in, yeah, she's recovery, in recovery as well. well. And, and, and then, um, it's been really inspiring to see my kids like grow up and, and sort of like get older. Like my daughter's 11 now. She's super tall. She, you know, my sons are getting bigger. It's been really inspiring to see them you know, learn how to play t-ball or baseball, um, watch my daughter go to volleyball. And so my greatest inspiration right now is coming through my family. And the reason why I mentioned the audiobook is because looking back on mm, mm. sort of like my uh, relationship to my mom and my dad, uh, there, there was a time mm. that I would tell you that uh, I didn't have a very good childhood. And, and through right. reading that, reading my book again, what I realized is that my childhood was awesome. And, and there was a point in time where I took a detour and that was me. That wasn't my childhood. My childhood with my parents was great. You know, they did the best job they could. And so I, I'm getting a lot of inspiration. I used to think my dad was crazy. I used to think my mom was full of nonsense, right. you know, and, and now there's wisdom there. And I don't know if that's me getting older. That wisdom has given me inspiration because like, uh, I never looked at it like that. You know, and so like right now, my family is 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 my family's giving me everything I need right now. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. And what I mean, I probably should ask you this, but what we always do end on the guilty pleasure question. What is your guilty pleasure? <laughs> what is your guilty it's pleasure so now? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's meant to be lighthearted, but it doesn't it sound is, lighthearted. Yeah. The end of this so um, it, it yeah. is literally yeah. uh, American guilty pleasure, and it's so American. Watching no. baseball with, with some 
No, it's, it's root beer floats. <laughs> I, I, well, I like root beer. Yeah, I root know. Beer floats. Root beer floats. Like, yeah, literally, yeah, yeah. there was a time when I was learning the third series that every single day I had a root beer float for like a year straight. My, my wife will tell you the exact same thing. And I don't know if I needed the sugar or calories or something like that, but I was just like, you know, and so my guilty pleasure is root beer floats. For people that don't know about that, that's like ice cream um, in in a with root beer, which is uh, ice cream and with like soda, yeah, root beer. And the soda, the root beer is a very funny taste for people that don't know it. It's like it's like antiseptic and Coca Cola kind of combined, but it's somehow pleasant, <laughs> even though it shouldn't be. Um, but it is. <laughs> yeah, that's my guilty pleasure. Yeah. All right, man. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today, and um, yeah. I'm really uh, wishing you the best of luck for that, for the, for your great work. Yeah, in the future, thank you right? so much for having me on. So, uh, thanks, thanks yep. for coming on the show. Right, thanks, Taylor.